Now, as the Bible calls, one of my mentors said to me, Josh, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. This morning, I don't have a long message, but it's an important message. And I'm going to start with a survey. How many of you would honestly say, by show of hands, that you want to be doing more with your life? Anybody? Okay. Got a lot of honest people in the house today. You know that there's more in you than you're producing right now, and I think to a degree, that's all of us. Well, today I want to talk about getting a vision for your life, but I've called the message, Chart the Course, because far too many people drift through life aimlessly, okay? If you're going to accomplish anything in your lifetime, you've got to have vision and a sense of direction. You need to write out a vision for where you're going in life. And my goal for you, my prayer for you, is that every one of you would go home today, get out a piece of paper and a pen, and start writing out some vision and some goals for your life. Because vision has power, my friends. When you have a vision of where you're going in life, it changes the way you look at life. I'll give you a, just an everyday example of car shopping. Any of you, you decided you just wanted a certain car, and you start shopping for that particular car, and then you, see, you tend to notice that car on the highway everywhere you go? Anybody? See, your, your vision determines your focus, right? Your focus determines your reality. Now, I've been hearing from God a lot lately, doing a lot of praying and discernment about God's vision concerning the future of our church, and God's given me a greater vision of what He wants to do through us as a ministry. And there's some big things that I want to share with you, but I'm not talking to you about the church's vision today. I want to talk to you about your vision this morning. Come on, tell somebody you need you need vision. Come on, tell somebody else you got to have vision. What is vision? Vision is seeing where you're going before you get there, right? Vision. Is essentially faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And notice that it starts in the unseen realm. Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. When you get a vision for your life, you're creating the same way that God creates. Everything that God creates begins in the unseen realm. Before it becomes a reality in the physical realm, it must first become a reality in the spiritual realm. Faith looks past where you are and sees where you're going, and doubt refuses to look beyond your circumstances. And there's a big difference. Faith looks past where you are and sees where you're going. That's why I can praise God in the middle of a mess. Because where I am right now is not where I am going. Here's the reality. You've got to get a vision for your future because if you don't, you will not succeed. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. You must have vision. You must have direction for your life. You've got to have dreams and goals, and you've got to start working towards those things. Never underestimate the power of forward motion. I'll never forget one of the dumbest things I've ever done is go on a whitewater rafting trip. Just dumb. People do the dumbest things and pay money to do it, too. Well, we were on this river going whitewater rafting, and the guide looked at us, and he said, Okay, my job is to steer the raft. 
He said, but here's the thing. I can't steer if you don't row. In other words, if the raft goes along with the current, he can't steer it. We have to be going faster than the current. Child of God, you cannot go through life and be successful just drifting with the current of this world and the current of your circumstances and situations. You've got to have a little forward motion. Hello. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. Not the butt marks in his seat. You want God to guide you? You've got to start stepping out in faith. Tell somebody forward motion. So having a vision means thinking beyond where you are right now. I think about Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. And he, he tells this story about how he survived the Holocaust in a concentration camp. He said this is what he would do every day. He would imagine his life after World War II was over. Every single day, he would not allow himself to be consumed by the misery and the tragedy that he was living in. He constantly thought about what he was going to do, the things that he was going to accomplish, the stuff that he was going to, to do and experience and see after this. Vision says there's an after this. But this is what he observed. He said the people who could not think about their future outside of their situation gave up and died. Instead of having vision for a better tomorrow, people got lost in the despair of today and the pain of yesterday. Some of you, without even knowing it, have suicidal tendencies in your life. Some of you are killing your health, you're killing your marriage, you're killing your family relationships, you're killing your career, you're killing God's calling on your life. Because you're so caught up in the despair of today and the pain of yesterday that you've lost your vision to see a better tomorrow. Where there is no vision, the people perish. It's time to get a vision for where you're going, whether it's your health, your marriage, your finances, your calling in life, whatever it is for you, you need to write down a vision and a plan for your life. And be specific. Tell somebody, be specific. A vague vision or a goal will get you nowhere, right? We just read it back in two, two. Write the vision so you can run with it. You've got to write it out and be specific. Don't just say, I want to lose weight. Because then you get a haircut and check that off. It's done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I go to the doctor's office and I weigh, I take off my shoes, I take off my belt, I cut my toenails, and I spit before I get on the scale. <laughs> You gotta be specific. Don't be vague. Write it, write it down. Write the exact write down the exact amount you need to lose, even down to the ounce if you have to. You can't just say, I want more money. Who needs more money? Anybody? I'm just thinking, you need, who needs more money? Come on, show your hands one more time. Okay. I out out near the quarter. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Who needs, who needs more than a quarter? Anybody? Anybody need more than a quarter? More than a quarter? Here you go. There's an Iraqi dinar. Don't spend it all in one place. Don't be vague. Be specific. Okay? What did Jesus say? He said, count the cost. In other words, you need to think about it a little bit. You need to write it down, plan it out, know how much you need, Right? 
me so far? Count the cost. Having a vision means having a clear picture of the future because cloudy, cloudy visions deliver cloudy results. Here's another thing. Dare to dream big. And don't be stupid. Don't say, I want a million dollars by Friday. That's not being spiritualist. Don't be a moron. Don't be dumb about it, but don't be small-minded either. Here's an exercise for you. Imagine what you can accomplish on your own and then take it a step further. Dream a God-sized dream. Your dream doesn't require a miracle. You're not dreaming big enough. As my Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's plans for you are greater than you can even think about. So dare to dream big. This morning I'm going to give you three ingredients of a successful vision. Okay? Three ingredients of vision. Number one is purpose. Your vision must have a purpose. You got to know why you're pursuing the vision. Otherwise, you're like a dog chasing a car. There was this dog. He would chase the car down this stretch of street every single day, over and over again, day in, day out. He chased the car, and the car keep going. He chased the car, and the car. One day, the car stopped while he was chasing it, and he got to the car, and he's like, "What do I do now?" Because dogs cannot drive cars. Okay, your vision, it doesn't matter how big your vision is, it don't mean a thing if it doesn't have a purpose behind it. Someone tell somebody, be intentional. If you say to me, I want to make a million dollars, I would say to you, why? Why do you want to make a million dollars? What are you going to do with that million dollars? Your vision has to have a purpose. Never do anything just to be doing something. Be intentional. Live with purpose. And here's the key principle. There should be a kingdom purpose behind everything we do. Because this world has enough selfish people. Amen. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek God first, and everything else is going to fall into place. So when you're writing your vision, it has to have a kingdom purpose, a good purpose. I think about the blessing of Abraham in the Bible. Genesis 22, God says, Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying... I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God blesses people to be a blessing. You want to be blessed? You better know why God is blessing you. God blesses you to be a blessing. Amen. Come on, tell somebody, God blesses me to be a blessing. I'm going to tell somebody else like you mean it. God blesses me to be a blessing. He told Abraham, in blessing, I will bless you. I love this verse because God's saying the blessing is the blessing. The blessing is that you're going to bless people. Amen. Come on, say, blessing is the blessing. In other words, your ability to bless others is my blessing to you. That was God's blessing on Abraham, and that blessing belongs to us as well. Galatians 3.29 And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to his promise. Amen. Blessing of Abraham belongs to us. What's that blessing? The blessing of God to bless others. Come on, say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. 
So if the vision that you're writing down for your life doesn't involve blessing others, you need to get out the big old fat eraser and start all over. Amen. Three ingredients of the vision. Number one is purpose. Number two is a problem. When it comes to writing out a vision for your life, there is no better motivation than a great big problem. Think about it. Some of you would have never learned how to manage money if you hadn't gone broke. And you know I'm telling the truth. If you want to be motivated and driven by vision, let that vision solve a problem. You want vision? Find a problem to solve. I'm going to help you in this process. Okay, what problem do you need to solve? What bothers you most about your life? What problem are you facing right now? Maybe that's the area where you need a vision for a better tomorrow. Because vision always solves a problem. What bothers you the most about your family tree? What generational curses run in your family? So many times people follow in the footsteps of their family, whether it's good or bad. My family's like homemade fudge. You know, mostly sweet with a few nuts. Listen, if you're following in the footsteps of your family, you're carrying down generational curses. It's time for you to break that curse off of your life. So think about it. What are the generational problems in your family? Maybe it's bitterness. Mama holds grudges, so I hold grudges too. Do you really want to go through life being mad at everybody? Maybe it's poverty, and this is a big one. Poverty is passed down from one generation to another. You need to look at your spending habits and analyze how you're spending your money. Rich people have big libraries. Poor people have big TVs. <laughs> Wealthy people invest in real estate. Poor people put all the money in cars that depreciate and lose value. I didn't look at the parking lot. I didn't see out the windows. But what are the generational curses in your family? Maybe it's abuse because so many times people who are abused end up being abusers themselves. This is so sad, but I've seen it so many times. But for you, it doesn't have to be that way. You need to make up your mind. I'm breaking this curse. Maybe it's anger. Maybe your family was always angry, so you're always angry. Listen, the tongue can be more painful than the hand. This past week, I took my family out to eat. We went out to eat lunch as a family two tables over. A mother was yelling at her daughter, who was much younger than our son Hudson, maybe a four- or five-year-old little girl. She was yelling at her and using... Every bit of profanity, cuss words I've probably never heard before, screaming at this little girl. You know what I did? I sent my family out. I said, uh-uh, I'm going to protect my child from being around that. While I waited for the check to come, I prayed for that little girl that she wouldn't grow up and be angry and hurt and bitter, that she would break free of that ungodly environment. Just because you grow up in something doesn't mean you have to live like that, too. Look, you get around me loud and public start cussing me out, I'm going to start speaking in tongues loud. That's what Jerry Savelle did. He went into the car dealership and they were telling filthy, dirty jokes. He said, all right, boys, now it's my turn. He threw up his hands and just started speaking in tongues right there. Don't mess with me. I can keep up. This has been a cost of crazy. Just because you grow up in something doesn't mean you have to live like that, too. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe alcoholism runs in your family. You know what? Stay away from alcohol. 
Now, there's a debate in a lot of churches, can a Christian drink alcohol? Well, I'll counter that with another question. Why are you asking? Why do you want to drink? The Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. It doesn't forbid drinking, but it does forbid drunkenness. But my question is, where does drunkenness start? That's a question you've got to answer for yourself. What bothers you most about your family tree? Maybe it's racism. Because that's often passed out from generation to generation, isn't it? Don't sit over there proud of yourself for overcoming the black-white thing if you hate Arabs. <laughs> you can't hate nobody if they get to sugar, sugar. It's time to break that curse. Amen. What bothers you most about your family tree? I don't know what is in your family, but this is what I do know. Children of God do not have to live under a curse. Galatians 3.13, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Someone tell somebody, he broke the curse. So no matter what family tree you come from, I challenge you today to be the family hero. Be the one who breaks the curse in Jesus' name. Turn that pain into a vision for a better tomorrow. Amen. If you give it to God, God can turn your misery into a ministry. Three elements of vision. One is purpose. Two is a problem. Three, my last one is a promise. Every vision has a purpose. It solves a problem, and it comes with a promise. God has a promise for every situation, every problem, every challenge in your life. Second Corinthians one twenty says this, No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All of God's promises are yes and Amen. And when a vision is backed by the promise of God, it is backed by a force that no man on earth, no angel in heaven, no devil in hell can stop. Ezekiel 12.25 says, For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. If you want a powerful vision for your life, get into the Word of God and discover God's promises for you. Because for every problem, there's a promise. Come on, tell somebody. For every problem, there's a promise. I'm almost up, but let me read you just a few promises, and we're going to go right into baptism. If your promise is sickness, if your problem is sickness, your promise is Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by His stripes we are healed. If your problem is a bad diagnosis, your promise is Psalm 118.17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. If your problem is guilt, your, prom- your promise is 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No record of wrong. Your problem is fear. Your promise is 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Your problem is lack. Your promise is Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that is not affected by inflation or supply chain shortages. To God be the glory. When your vision is founded on God's truth, that vision will carry you from the problem to the promise. But what's the greatest promise in all the Bible? It's Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician and philosopher, once said, there's a 
God-shaped hole in the human heart that only He can fill. The world's greatest problem is not global warming. It's not Joe Biden. The world's greatest problem is sin. Sin affects every one of us. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And nobody, none of us can overcome sin on our own. That's why Jesus came, to break the curse, to break the power of sin. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He died on on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He paid the price for you and for me. And to prove to all the world for all eternity that the sacrifice was sufficient, God raised him from the dead. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords forever. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. This morning, right now, in this moment, I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you start your journey of faith in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free from my past. Set me free from guilt. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. I give everything to you. I come to you just the way I am. Make me brand new. And with your help, and with your strength, and with your Holy Spirit, I'll live for you the rest of my life. Amen and amen. Amen. I want to ask my wife to come and just pray a blessing over you this morning. And I want to ask those being baptized, will you come and make your way to the altar at this time? Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for today. And God, I just thank you for this wonderful service. I thank you for the baptism that we're about to have, Lord. And I thank you for every single person, Lord, that has is proclaiming that you are the Lord of their life. And Lord, I thank you that you be with us today, Lord. I thank you that this message that Josh preached this morning, Father, that it resonates in us. If there's anybody in here that lacks vision, Lord, I thank you that this morning that you give them clarity. Lord, that you help them to see the vision that you have given them, Father. Let that vision be a God-given vision, Father. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, for anyone that has had a vision but has tried to put it to rest. Lord, I thank you for the resurrection of that vision. And Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you have a plan and that you have a destiny for every single person that's in this room or watching on Facebook. God, that you have, you know every hair that's on their head. And Lord, that not one tear that they cry do you not know. And God, I thank you, Father, for making yourself real to people today. God, for giving them that God-given vision and for letting them know that you ordain their footsteps. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you for today. And we give you glory and we give you honor and praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
What's your name? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Come on, let's stand and celebrate this morning. Let's rejoice today. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody else? It's not too late. The water's warm. <laughs> come on down. We'll duck you. I want to ask the worship team to come as we get ready to close the service this morning. Um, and as we worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings before we leave this morning. If you have your red card, please. Drop that in the offering bucket today. We want to pray for you and connect with you this morning. So will the ushers come as the worship team comes this morning? Amen. Aren't you excited? I love this. This goes back to the very birth of the Christian church. Baptism is a public renunciation. I renounce the world. I renounce my past. I renounce that. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. When you come up out of the water, it's a beautiful symbol. I've been made you, raised to new life in Jesus Christ. Amen.
Father, receive these offerings and tithes, God, as our worship to you this morning, as a gift to you today. God, I thank you for your blessings on all who have given this morning. Lord, I thank you. Lord, may their gifts be multiplied for your kingdom's sake, God. And we thank you, Lord, for those who have been baptized this morning, God. We celebrate with them. Use us, God, to encourage them in their Christian faith, God, to encourage them along the way. And we thank you again for this wonderful day in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord through giving today. Walking around his favorite dream in Jesus' name. Amen.